Chapter 15. The Three Tithes There are three tithes in Scripture, not one as is commonly believed. Each was established by God to enforce upon the mind of man a particular juridical principle of lordship. They have separate and distinct purposes from one another. They cannot be lumped together without distracting from their intended purpose or without doing violence to the juridical principle of lordship incorporated in each. The three tithes are the social tithe, which is commonly called the Lord's or Levitical tithe, Leviticus 27, 30-33, Numbers 18, 20-24, the Rejoicing tithe, Exodus 23, 16, Leviticus 23, 33-43, Deuteronomy 12, 5-25, 14, 22 through 27, 16, 13 through 15, and the poor tithe, Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. These tithes can be seen as distinct from one another because they were administered at different locales. The social tithe was given to the Levites for services performed. The Levites, unlike the other tribes, had no established tribal territory of their own. They were dispersed among all the tribes throughout the nation. The Levites, then, were a decentralized order providing decentralized or local services. But they also provided centralized service, since they were required to provide service to the tabernacle and later to the temple at Jerusalem. The tabernacle, and later Jerusalem, was the religious and law center of all Israel. Hence, the services that the Levites provided at the tabernacle and then at Jerusalem were services provided for all the theocracy. We can understand that the Levites provided both centralized and local services since they provided services both at Jerusalem and at the local level. Since the Levites provided both centralized and local services, Scripture is silent upon the locale where the social or Levitical tithe must be administered. The locale at which the tithe was to be administered or given to the Levites was dependent upon whether the person who paid the tithe paid it to the local Levites or to the Levites at Jerusalem. The payment of the tithe was required by God's law, but the law did not designate whether it was to be paid locally for local services or paid for services rendered at the temple in Jerusalem. Scripture specifies no particular locale for the administration of the social or Levitical tithe. Where Scripture required that the tithe be administered in Jerusalem, it is in reference to either the tithe of the tithe, Numbers 18, 25-32, or the rejoicing tithe, Deuteronomy 14, 22-27. The Levites were required to pay the tithe on all the tithes that they received. This tithe of the Levitical tithe was then to be given to the high priest. An example of such a reference is Nehemiah 12, 44-45, where, quote, Some were appointed over the chambers for the treasures and for the tithes, to gather them out of the fields of the cities the portions appointed by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited, and both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God, and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. End quote. Such payments are in reference to the tithes for the Levites at Jerusalem and the tithes of the tithes for the priest. Since the high priest was at Jerusalem, it is obvious that the tithe of the Levitical tithe had to be given at this locale. Apart from the rejoicing tithe, the tithe of all the tithes that the Levites received were the only offerings that were required to be used at Jerusalem. God established no central or decentralized location for the use of the Levitical tithe. This tithe was used in both Jerusalem and locally, Nehemiah 12, 44-45, 10, 37. 
Therefore, any mention in Scripture that the tithes must be used solely at Jerusalem has reference to the tithe of the Levitical tithe, or the rejoicing tithe. The rejoicing tithe was required to be used at Jerusalem. This tithe was to be administered by the tither and his household, and was to be spent for rejoicing before God at the Feast of Tabernacles. Deuteronomy 12, 17-19, 14-22-27 The only exception to this requirement was when the taxpayer lived outside the original borders of Israel. Under such circumstances, he could use this tithe within his local area. Deuteronomy 12, 17-28 But primarily this tax was to be spent at Jerusalem because that was where God had placed his name. The office of the high priest was located in the great city, and it was in the shadow of this office that the Israelites were to rejoice. The poor tithe was to be used basically in the area in which the taxpayer lived. At the end of every third year of harvest, this tithe was to be laid up within the gates of the local community and administered to the poor of the area. Deuteronomy 14:28-29. This was a local tax for the relief of local poverty. From the foregoing, we can understand that the three tithes were to be used at separate locations. The social or Levitical tithe was to be used either at Jerusalem or locally by the Levites. The rejoicing tithe was to be used at Jerusalem by the taxpayer and his household. The poor tithe was to be used at the local level for the local poor. Since a tithe is one-tenth of all increase, a single tenth could not be used simultaneously at all these locations, nor could it be used simultaneously by the Levites, the taxpayer, and the poor. Therefore, we can understand that there are three separate and distinct tithes, or tenths, in Scripture, which are to be used for three separate and distinct purposes. Moreover, no substitution of one tithe for another is authorized by Scripture. For example, the rejoicing tithe could not be used for the poor tithe every third year. The Israelites were required to go to Jerusalem each and every year and rejoice before the Lord. Deuteronomy 16, 16-17 Therefore, the poor tithe could not be a replacement for the rejoicing tithe in the third year. The social and rejoicing tithes were required to be paid each year, and an additional poor tithe every third year. No substitutions of one tithe for another are allowed in Scripture. The Word of God clearly establishes three separate and distinct tithes. The failure to pay any one of these three tithes is a violation of the law of God, and the person who refuses to pay God his due is a robber who will be cursed with a curse. Malachi 3, 8-9 One additional point must be stressed before the three tithes are discussed individually. Each tithe is as obligatory and binding upon man as the others. There is no distinction in Scripture in regard to their importance or status in relation to one another. All three were to be taken from all the increase. Numbers 18:21, Deuteronomy 14:22 and 28. Therefore, no one tithe is greater or of more importance than the other two. Each is to be paid from all the increase. Failure to pay any one of the tithes is a violation of the word of God. Moreover, the man who elevates one of the tithes in importance over the others, or who pays only one or two of the tithes that he chooses to, is endorsing the sin of Adam. He is determining, apart from the word of God, good and evil in regards to God's plan of taxation. He is reinforcing the belief that man can pick and choose those laws of God that he will obey. By so doing, he is declaring in principle that man is Lord over God, since he is Lord over God's word. 
Hence, elevating one particular tithe over the others is, in reality, approving of Adam's original sin against God and his law. All of the three tithes are binding upon man and are to be paid from all his increase. For this reason, the common use of the term Lord's tithe in reference to the tithe given to the Levites is misleading. All of the three tithes are the Lord's. They are the Lord's because they are required by his law and are to be paid prior to man's use of his profits. All the tithes are the Lord's and are to be given to him by using them in accordance with his dictates as expressed in his law. Since the tithe given to the Levites was in payment for social and religious services performed, perhaps a more appropriate name for this tithe would be the social tithe.